the IBM Cloud Podcast, coming to you every show with information about new capabilities and releases. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the IBM Cloud Podcast. We are hosts from the offerings team here at IBM Cloud. My name is Ian Lynch. And I'm Steve Shokat. And today, guys, we're joined by lead solution architect for interactive events, David Proven. David, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ian. Nice to be here. So, David, I've been a big tennis fan for, well, since I guess since I was a kid, and it was only when I joined IBM I realized that IBM have actually been sponsoring Wimbledon as the main technology sponsor since the early 90s, which I was like, wow, not many people know. So all the technology behind Wimbledon is actually through IBM. So to that point, um, everyone's aware of the Slam Tracker, right? But this year we created something new for Wimbledon, David, and that was Fred, right? So Fred was the chatbot through Facebook Messenger. So can you kind of describe or tell us a little bit about that new technology for 2018? Yeah, sure. So there's actually like kind of two core components to what we did. Fred is our kind of like a guest services agent. And through doing this at a number of events, we've learned that to give uh, one of those agents like a personality and more of a human feel rather than a robotic response kind of helps with, with um, the human interaction with it. So obviously we called it Fred after Fred Perry, uh, the Wimbledon champion in, in 1936. Um, and we took that function. It's been available on our mobile app. This is actually the second year that Fred has been available. And it's really focused around the the on-site guest uh, visitor, helping them find food and beverage or a court or the schedule information, whatever it might be to kind of make their day as good as it can possibly be. And then with 2018, we kind of extended that functionality into, into Facebook. Oh, cool. I was actually going to ask you who Fred was named after, but you actually covered that. Yeah. Well, other than Andy Murray, he's our claim to fame with British tennis. So. There you go. So, so of the the kind of features that that Fred offers, you know, with the chatbot, the guest agent uh, or assistant, as you said, you know, what kind of features does does Fred offer me as someone who's just following along, maybe from the states, and 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 of all those features, you know, which one did you really like the best? Yeah. So, I mean, we we analyzed the type of questions we got through Facebook, because obviously if you set up a Facebook page today, people can message you even if you haven't got a bot and you can choose to respond through that through Facebook's platform directly or just ignore it. So we actually took some of the questions we saw Wimbledon receiving from the championships last year and we actually ran them through the, the what's in natural language stuff to kind of pull out themes and topics and identities that we wanted to cover. Uh, unsurprisingly, like themes around scoring was was pretty important. We've seen a trend over the last couple of years of people really honing in on favorites. So everyone knows who Roger Federer is, Rafa Nadal is, Novak Djokovic. Um, Serena Williams gained a huge following with her kind of amazing kind of feats that she's covered in the last two years. So we knew that players were, was important. And then we also knew that Facebook is a great platform for kind of like snacking on content as we kind of like small news articles, small form type of stuff. So we built our core capability around kind of scoring players and news. In terms of the feature we enjoy developing most, I was kind of nice to put the live scoring stuff directly into Facebook, but to kind of come up with some innovative solutions there to kind of get it to work. So Facebook basically lets you send text and pictures at a high level in a number of different layouts, but it wouldn't let you kind of create a little mini website inside the platform to receive live scoring. So we actually ended up writing an application that took screenshots of scoreboards as the map progressed, and we uploaded those to an S3 bucket. And then when you requested scores, we just went and got the latest image for every court to show you the score on that, that court. That was kind of a, a fun thing to build and see work. 
So you showed us pictures because you weren't allowed to build a, uh, you couldn't figure out how to build a scoreboard. So you, and you knew you could show pictures. So you threw those pictures up. Yeah. And it was just kind of a nice, innovative, right, really simple, but innovative way of solving it. It was really fun to see people in certain uh, parts of the globe would just keep typing the word or keep clicking the button scores every two minutes to get <laughs> like, latest images. And we kind of saw one guy in particular, we sat there and watched him request like every 30 seconds during a particularly close match. Well, that's funny. So, David, Wimbledon attracts a massive amount of people from all over the world, probably speaking in different languages as well, right? So what, I, I guess, I'm, I'm kind of thinking around the complexities of building this. That's more so where my question is going. But, yeah, so w where are the complexities with building something like Fred? Yeah, I mean, the, the first complexity is we all ask questions different ways, right? So you may say, man, I'm hankering for some strawberries and cream, or someone else might say, I would like some food. But your ultimate intent is, I want to, I want, I'm hungry. Get me some food. So a lot of our effort kind of comes pre before the event, working with the kind of like the linguistic training inside like natural language classifiers to say, hey, these are 14 different ways that we've seen people ask for food and beverage or this particular type of food and beverage, as well as actively monitoring that during the tournament. See if linguistic styles have changed. If we hit a different demographic, do they ask things a different way? and then folding that into the overall corpus so that our responses are actually responding to what people give. The, the main lesson we've learned over the last kind of like 24 months of doing this is you give someone a, a free text box and they want to try and trip it up. Like it's almost a personal challenge to fool Fred. So what Facebook delivers in terms of a, a slightly more guided experience where we kind of say, hey, you can do scores, news or players, click these buttons as shortcuts. We actually saw like a higher rate of, of hits on that kind of guided experience than we, we'd seen before, which is kind of interesting to see. So people were trying to trip it up because you kind of put them in their little guardrails around them. Yeah, because the, I mean, if you, you give someone a free text box with any kind of AI platform and their, their goal is to see if they can beat it, right? Because we want to be smarter than the computer. Our goal is really just to deliver the best experience we can. So some of those, tricky responses you give us are actually helpful. Okay, that's a, we see what you're doing there and the response should be this. So let's take it, train it and improve it. So as much as uh, those responses can be challenging, they're in the long term helpful. Yeah, that makes me think back. You had said that one guy that, that popped up and asked for scores every 30 seconds. And um, it, it made me think back to when, I think it was when IBM did the Atlanta Olympics. And so I guess that's, I'm dating myself there. I remember that they had to handle volume across the globe. And I remember someone telling me that if I, that there were like three servers across the world that processed the data. And that if I asked a question from where I am in the States, it was likely gonna hit a server in an area of the, the globe where the people were asleep. I mean, did you have those kind of challenges? I mean, it's, uh, I've got to believe Wimbledon has a global audience and, I don't know quite how you handle the balance of, of everybody's hitting it all at once, including that one guy with the scores. Yeah, so we, we absolutely do have that challenge. All the events that IBM sponsors, be that Wimbledon, Masters, Tony Awards, uh, US Open, Grammys, uh, Pebble Beach, they, they attract audiences worldwide. That's why, that's why we're there, because we want to kind of demonstrate that IBM can deliver at that scale. Um, the way that we solve that, that they kind of solve it in twofold. We, we, we employ something which is called like disaster avoidance rather than disaster recovery. So what you just described there in terms of, of three data centers that are always available, we actually now have four on IBM public cloud um, 
soft layer pods, as they may have been formerly called. Um, and you're right, you could hit any one of those four. We'll try and route you or route you to the most local one. Um, but if the event of one of our data centers, say in San Jose, there's an issue in San Jose, we can take that one out of serving and it's completely invisible to you. The service remains up and available. So that's our kind of disaster avoidance. We've actually rolled that approach into how we develop on the Bluemix or IBM Cloud Platform with the, with the PaaS offerings. So we'll take the Facebook solution and we'll deploy it in US South and then we'll deploy it in the UK region and then we'll load balance between the two. And then in the unlikely event of the US South region not being available, the routing will just use the UK region to, to handle the traffic until it comes back in. So we, we that, that approach you described from 96, the, the concept has definitely improved in terms of how quickly we can scale, how we can avoid it, but the underlying principle of having capacity available to avoid the issue of one data center going is still something we use today. Well, I think it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you know, uh, people call it disaster recovery, but what a disaster would it be if all of a sudden the site wasn't available at the most exciting part? Yeah, and it's right down to your approach, right? You can either have a backup system and migrate to it, or you can have your backup system always be hot and it's part of your primary system. And that's what our friends over at GTS have built, and it's given us great results so far, and hope that continues. So did different users see different contexts? Uh, so for example, you know, if, if Ian was interested in a certain set of things, because I know he played tennis as a, as a kid and was like the world champion for Ireland or something, but, um, you know, would he see something different than, than someone like myself who's, you know, lucky to keep it on this side of the fence? Um, the way that we build all of our digital properties is kind of like, it's like a sliding scale about how deeply you'd want to get involved. So for the casual fan, you can kind of come in and catch up through a news feed on the website or the latest scores in our apps. And the Facebook solution, you may just click the scores button and look at overall. But if you're more of a deeply engaged fan, like you're suggesting Ian would be, he may jump into the depths of Slam Tracker and look at, huh, 40% of the points and net points won. He's playing a lot of serve and volley today. He might actually go into the Facebook bot and subscribe to the players he likes so we can receive those alerts push directly to his device when the events occur on court. So we kind of offer different levels of kind of like basic cable, HBO, HBO and Showtime. You can kind of pick the, the, the pack that makes sense for you. Oh, that makes sense. So sticking with that point then, David, if I decided that he wanted to create his own tournament and his own event like this, would something like this be difficult for me to set up? So it's, let's say I was leveraging IBM Watson capabilities and AI to do it all. Is it difficult or is this off the shelf? A lot of what we used are just the PaaS offerings that anyone could log on to bluemix.net today and, and go ahead and provision. We definitely have some backend infrastructure in terms of the scoring APIs, but as long as you were able to acquire the scoring data or act, plug into your existing content management system like we did, then everything we did in terms of the Facebook stuff is all publicly documented by Facebook and you can get hold of the Watson stuff pretty easily and play with it today for zero dollars to, to see how it works. So we just use the Watson Assistant stuff to work out what you're asking for and, and train the corpus and give the appropriate responses. And then we use the Liberty stuff to, to build the actual application runtime. And then we went to IBM Bluemix and clicked the buttons to wire those things together. There's a little bit of, little bit of custom coding in there to, to deal with all those interactions. But a lot of it is through the, the wiring that Bluemix provides out of the box. So basically, I would need to write some code, get some strawberries and cream, and I should be all set. 
Yeah, I, I never understood quite like that. <laughs> but yeah, the, don't, don't hesitate on the food. Yeah, definitely get the strawberries and cream because everyone needs nutrition. Um, but I think we're, what's what's really changed in the last 24, 36 months is for our team, it's gone from, hey, we better put a request in for hardware to build out the applications to, well, let's just provision the runtimes and play with it this afternoon. And that's not limited to people that have IBM in their email address. That's something that anyone can do by just plugging their email in and having to go with it. It's kind of like being spoiled, right? So David, I want to talk a little bit about um, the Slam Tracker. That was redesigned for 2018, right? Was that redesigned because we wanted to just simply make improvements or we seen things that would work better? Or what was the reason behind the Slam Tracker? Uh, so Slam Tracker is, I'm sure someone like with your tennis knowledge is kind of like our, it's our bread and butter for the tennis fan. And we, we're very cautious as we make changes to it because the, the Slam Tracker brand is one that tennis fans now look for. Yep. We're always nervous about like if we change it too much, if we if we moved it. We're very conscious that it is definitely a, it's a second screen experience in our mind. But we see a lot of people who like go to the office Monday at 11 a.m. open the Slam Tracker scoreboard, and it's it's a second window on their screen. So the second screen may not be to a TV; it may be to your work. Um, so the redesign this year was focused on how do we make it feel much more like a console. So you could kind of open a single page and you could get an impression of what was going on all of the time. Um, and I think we, we achieved that. I think the left rail where you could pick any match and you kind of see live scores along with, with delving in a little bit deeper was, was a much more engaging way to deal with Slam Tracker. And the final thing we added differently to previous years is we brought back momentum with a slight different formula tweak. So the goal of momentum graph inside Slam Tracker is to kind of give you an impression what way is this match going? So if someone bagels six love, six love, momentum should lean heavily over to that team. But if you take a match like the men's semifinals at Wimbledon this year, which go five sets and along, you, you can see how closely the teams or the, the players kept to each other. And the idea is that if the graph is close, the match is more exciting. Whereas if it's heavily pointing over to player one or player two, you know that it's it's maybe more of a, a whitewash than we expected. So I, I think we're successful. It's something we, we never rest on our laurels. We, we always look at the user feedback we get through the emails. We're always looking to kind of improve that experience. We're definitely looking to enrich it with more data points as we, we get more and more data. But um, hopefully it was, was better at Wimbledon. Hopefully it will continue for every year on year. I like one of the things that you said that that the slam ta tracker was somebody's primary screen and their work screen was their secondary screen at work. Maybe I'm, yeah, for some people. I'm lucky that I get to that's part of my job. There you go. So so I, I think we've chatted about this before, but uh, did you actually get to go to Wimbledon and how did IBM tie, you know, I mean, what did the IBM presence at Wimbledon look like? Yeah, so IBM's presence at Wimbledon is, uh, is part of the overall marketing. We deliver end-to-end -end the technology to support the event from a scoring perspective. So IBM provides the staff to collect statistics on the court. We provide the technology to gather serve speed, to gather statistics on court. Chair empire systems are, are folded into the overall solution too. And we take those data feeds and we then distribute them to TV broadcasters like ESPN, BBC, as well as passing on to the digital properties for the website. So the IX component that, that I work with, we're focused very much on the digital properties, but IBM as a company, particularly IBM in the UK, 
they're very much focused on delivering that scoring data as rapidly as possible to all the providers that Wimbledon have. Um, so our on-site presence can be a couple of hundred when you consider statisticians and data collectors. The IX presence is around 15 to 20. It kind of slides up and slides down during the event. Um, and the reason that we, IBM, do this is it's a really good way for us to demonstrate the true capabilities of what our technology can do. Uh, a TV commercial is great at, at helping to begin to understand it, but when you come to Wimbledon and see IBM message site doing this, or what's an assistant doing this, or uh, Cloudant doing this, it kind of helps have conversations with people about how they maybe apply those things to their solutions as well. You know, David, it might be cool that IBM get to showcase their own technology and show how great we are in a certain place, right? And especially with, with Wimbledon and the Slam Tracker and being able to give statistics around how fast people can serve a ball. But you know what the coolest piece is of this? Anyone can get their hands on this. When I say that, as in the technology that you guys are using to build this, it's the same technology that's off the shelf that anyone can go, as you said, go over to IBM Cloud Platform to Bluemix.net, sign up and get an ID. Yeah. So if I did want to do all that, or even if I wanted to find out some more information about it, David, where should I head over to, or where should I, is it just basically IBM.com, or more specifically yeah, I mean, around Wimbledon event, where, where can I find yeah, out some more? If you Google Wimbledon Facebook bot, you'll find um, a bunch of articles we wrote on the IBM Bluemix blog, that, or the IBM Cloud blog, that detail all the technologies we used and how we provisioned them, and kind of some code samples of what we did. That's probably a good place to start with, with that. Um, and then if you go ibm.com slash sports, you'll find the entry portal to the entire sport, 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 the entire sport portfolio um, that IBM offers and the technology we use. And then if you, as you say, if you go to IBM Cloud, you'll enter your email address, you can access all the services that we internally have access to. There's no difference to what everyone out there gets compared to what we get. And David, finally, if you need volunteers for ball boys and umpires and people to track, where can I apply? Just send you an email, right? Hey, David. Yeah, please don't send me an email because <laughs> I, I don't have any influence in that kind of position. I want to hazard a guess that you're maybe slightly over the age credit here for ball boys and people might give you some odd looks. He can act that age. Yeah, you know. <laughs> US Open. You could work at the US Open. Well, David, thank you so much for all the information. It's fantastic to hear that IBM are doing phenomenal work in events like Wimbledon and big other events like the US Open as well. It's really interesting. Um, but again, thank you for the information and thank you for being on the show today. Really informative. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate you being here. And guys, for myself and Steve, thanks a mill as always for joining in. See you next time on the IBM Cloud Podcast. <laughs>